Good morning and welcome back to the Legal Queen podcast. I release these episodes every Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday at 6am. In only two months, guys, we have grown to 10,000 monthly listeners. Wow, blows my mind. And I just wanted to say thank you so much. I get hundreds of messages every day saying how much this podcast is helping people. So if I could ask whatever application you may be listening to this on, Spotify, Apple, Amazon or anywhere else, if you could please give me a five-star rating, it will really help push the podcast so that we can help even more people. My goal is to be reaching 50,000 monthly listeners by the end of the year and you guys can directly help me achieve that. Anyway, enjoy the following episode. Good evening, everybody. How are we? Hello, Andrea, Claire, Missy and AW. Right, let's make a start. Let me just see those hands. Andrea, you're first whenever you're ready. Um, Ask me your question. Hello. Um, I just really wanted to know what to expect, if possible, please, from a Section 7 so you know what's going to happen how does it work yeah so effectively a section seven for those of you that don't know it's a wishes and feelings report and it's done by kafkas and kafkas are ultimately social workers but they um, remain in the court arena so they will be social workers that will deal with families who are in court Um, they've got an application under the children's act So in order to determine what the child's wishes and feelings are, CAFCAS will use a variety of methods, depending on how old the children are. They may perhaps speak to the children independently of parents. They may do that in their home, in their bedroom, or they may, um, you know, potentially go into the school. Um, Or they may speak to just the parents individually if the um, children are too young to have their voice heard. So, and then what will happen, Andrea, is they will, um, from that information gleaned and from uh, any police reports that are available, any previous applications that have been made, they will then make recommendations to the court. Um, and typically, okay. the recommendations will be followed by the court, generally speaking. So in regards to their recommendations then, yeah. um, what's so the recommendations, are they going to be around sort of contact or what, what are those recommendations normally around? Well, Obviously, you know yeah situation absolutely i'm just concerned about the accusation that was made last wednesday yeah is that what the report is going to be all about no so so there's going to be an application before the court and if let's say um to use an example the application is to enforce a contact order that's what kafka is going to be looking at so they're going to be looking at where the child lives and they're going to be looking at the application that's before the court and then they're going to recommend if that contact is suitable for the child it might be that Kafka suggests that whilst, let's say, alternate weekends might prove um, worthwhile or, you know, in the child's best interest, they may, may be of the view that they build up to that. Um, now, right, they, okay. they may make their own findings about other things, you know, such as any harm or parental alienation or anything like that, but it won't be a finding as such. Kafka can only suggest that in their view there is or there isn't do you know what I mean they can't make a substantive finding right okay okay that's brilliant does that help very much pleasure absolute pleasure Andrea thank you so much thank you all right bye-bye um tiktoker how can I help oh yeah we've spoken previously okay um sort of before I was on a different account yeah um but uh it I went to court um, yes obtained a court order uh that progressed from uh, video video call contact uh, up to uh, Thursday night, then on to weekends. Um, very recently, a accusation of uh, child abuse uh, was brought against me. Yeah. Um, which is currently sitting with social services. I think they're doing a section forty-seven um, on it at the moment. Um, I'm just sort of wondering what things can I put in place to stop these accusations coming up when uh, they're not true? I'm sort of even looking at possibly uh, having a GoPro yeah. uh, on contact meetings. Yeah. Um, and where do I legally stand with that as evidence? Um, obviously, there's going to be points where I need to sort of go to the toilet. 
Um, is that when an accusation is then going to be brought against me? How do I sort of avoid this going forward? Um, it's difficult with no um, context is what I would say to that. Um, I think the first thing I would be suggesting is that you need to take some specific advice, okay? So you, because I, I don't know enough and, and, and I'm not, that wasn't a hint for you to share anything further. I don't, I'm, that's not where I, I'm going with this. Um, because dependent upon the nature of the allegations will then help to determine a possible solution, okay? Because there is only so much that you can do. If we can't stop the allegations, then all we can do is make sure that the situation we find ourselves in is being witnessed or recorded or evidenced in some other way. But as I say, without any more context, I really do think you should take some advice on that. Yeah, so I, I have, um, and I've uh, basically, because obviously this is, uh, in my eyes, a false allegation, mm. and uh, I've sort of had a solicitor write a letter to uh, my ex and inform them that they are in breach of the court order at present um, by withholding the contact. Yeah. Um, there was actually contact after the um, alleged incident. Um, the boys were obviously happy to come and see me. Uh, we had a video contact after as well, because on the weekends I don't see them. There is video contact. It's just how my concern at the moment is how is social services going to be uh, assessing this situation? Are they going to be deeming these as, as false or, or alienation to, to, to get these boys to say this? I haven't even sort of raised my voice to the boys, let alone sort of lifted a hand and I never have. So I, I to so, totally yeah. get that, that obviously you're in a, a real difficult position. Um, it's it's very sort of emotional, um, um, emotive, I should say. Um, but it's such a loaded question. I'm just not able to answer it on this platform um, because, you know, it, there's just so much there, you know, that, that it, it really does require an in-depth conversation. Um, because I'm not able to glean anything else from you on Discord because I don't want you to open up. But what you're asking me requires a lot more, um, you know, more of a deeper dive. Does that make sense? So I just, I won't yeah, be able to take it any further. I'm so sorry. But is, thank you for coming on. Go is, on. Is, is, is there something, what, what's sort of the sort of usual steps if false allegations keep popping up? Is it a case that... Um, a block on these accusations can be put in place or again um, see I, d I don't know what the accusations are and, and I really don't want you to disclose them here um, so it, I just I wouldn't know is the honest answer I don't know because I'd need to know more context okay. about it yeah, not sorry alright thank you so much though bye bye um, Stacey what's your question can you hear me okay I can yeah how can I help um, I've spoke before, um, but basically I've had my court hearing um, to do with an interim order. Yeah. Um, I basically had my child removed over um, accusations of future potential harm yeah. from having um, postnatal depression previously with my other children. Yeah. Um, who were put into an SGO with my ex-sister. Yeah. The only outstanding problem they are claiming is my mental health and I had a psychiatrist in the court that basically had been saying I've got traits of borderline personality and I did the therapy that's the social and, and she even recommended herself but when I had court they have said that isn't the that now isn't the therapy they are um, recommending and so my family member is willing to pay over a thousand pound in therapy to actually give me the correct therapy because the mental health teams haven't done that for three years. Yeah. From a legal point of view, would it be Ill illegal for them to remove my child from me permanently to an SGO if I have actually done what they've asked me to do to enable myself to be in a safe position to have my children, to have my child? No, would, would be the answer to that, Stacey, because they can only remove the child from you by order of the court. So if the court make an order to remove the child from you, then it isn't illegal. What's happened there is that you haven't been able to convince the court or to sway their opinion, social services opinion, that actually you're 
course, your therapy, your counselling, what whatever it might may be, um, has fixed the problem. So therein lies the remedy. Okay, what you have got to do is persuade the court. Um, and you may need to take a little bit of advice on this one as to how to do that. But you want to produce overwhelming evidence that actually here was the problem and here is scientific slash medical evidence to say that the therapy I have had has gone somewhat some way to curing that problem. Does that make sense? Yeah. But to I was just going to say, so sorry, Stacey, to answer your question, it wouldn't be illegal, no, because they'd have a court well, order. I've, I've got my final court hearing tomorrow. Basically, the judge has give me her, given me her decision. And yep. I have done everything in a way of getting the therapy through the NHS. Yeah. But then now that they're claiming something differently, but... They, but the social have literally tried to clutch on anything they could possibly can to have her not return to me. And there's nothing outstanding at all from a risk point of view. They just keep saying about the therapy. So can I ask to have it um, prolonged? Like, do I ask to wait until... You said wait, wait uh, until when? Oh, uh, so obviously it, my child was taken from me three days at birth and she's now like 15 months um, and altogether I've been going through the proceedings for three years um, and obviously I've completed the cognitive therapy they've asked me to but now they're saying it isn't the correct one but I'm not willing to just give my children up like my last child just because they've got it, you know, they don't think there's a safe plan just because I've not done therapy, even though I have. So, so I, I think, don't know where I stand with it all. Yeah, I think all you can do is keep pushing your your position. Like, you know, you, you've expressed it very clearly to me. Um, clearly, you've, you've ticked all their boxes, is what I'm hearing, and they keep presenting yeah, new boxes. Yeah. So that's fine. Whilst there's still empty boxes to be ticked, it would be unfair for the court to make a final order. Because you can say, look, I'm ticking the boxes. They keep coming up with more boxes. And I'll keep ticking the boxes. I'll keep jumping through the hoops. But obviously, until we've we've finished all the hoops and we've ticked all the boxes, it's very unfair for the court to make a final decision. Now, it, let's take worst-case scenario and they make a final decision and you still feel that there was some work being asked of you that you hadn't had time to do. Well, that's when you would um, perhaps appeal that decision. But then you would need to take some legal advice. Okay, because I was told that apparently they don't always um, agree to the appeal. So if I was to say, oh, well, I want to appeal it. Well, no, I think... They've got it in their power to say no. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, absolutely. The court can refuse an appeal. The thing to do, though, Stacey, is sometimes people, when they're in litigation, they, they start looking at the bigger picture and, you know, and they start Googling everything and they have all these scenarios. You've just got to focus on your case and the next hearing. And that's it. That's all you've got to think about right now. So, you know, it may be that the court doesn't do a final hearing and, and, and extends it on. It may be that it does do a final hearing and you put in for an appeal and you succeed. But all you can do is take the next step, all right? And remember, it's for you to persuade the court that actually the child will be safe in your care. So, and, and I yeah, think by the sounds of it, you're yeah, going to need to have some legal, legal advice on this because it's going on now a long time. Um, and chances are you're not going to be able to do it on yeah. your own. Obviously, the the emotional aspect of it is what's made my emotional um, my emotions like irregular. Yeah. But then they try to blame it on this BPD and everything. So it's kind of just like it's just a give up. But um, yeah, all I can do is just do what I'm doing. But yeah, for sure. All right then, Stacey. Thank right. you for sharing that. Uh, okay. Bye bye, uh, Captain. You are up next. How are you? Oh, I'm well. How are you? I'm good, thank you. I'm good. A couple of quick things yeah. for now. Yeah. Uh, when we're talking about divorce and financial order, yeah, you're always looking at how long a marriage has been. Yeah. Um, do you have a? Is there a basis on which it's classed as a short marriage, a medium marriage, or a long-term marriage? Yeah. There's no a definitive line in the sand, but short would be one, two, three years. Um, medium was sort of looking at, you know, five, six, seven, maybe eight. Long for me is anything that's sort of over 10, you know, double figures and, and more. 
um, would be considered long. And then, of course, once you get into sort of 15 to 20 and above, then it's really long. And, and then we are getting more to a 50-50 divide then. But yeah. it's it's on a case-by-case basis, really, because it's not just marriage. Where they've lived together... Um, excuse me, and they've made a seamless transition into marriage, we count that um, period of cohabitation. So I had a case recently where when I asked how long they were married, it was 18 months, but they'd actually been living together for 16 years. So the, the total relationship was 17 and a half years. So th- that then put it into... So working on the whole 17 and Oh, a half yeah, years, absolutely. 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 Yeah. Because they, you know, they'd done this seamless transition into marriage. They, you know, they were living together before. They were living together afterwards. They'd had children. Nothing changed, apart from the ceremony and the honeymoon. Nothing had changed. So it was a a long relationship, even though they'd only been married for a year and a half. Thanks, Tracy. And I hope that's a few people because there's been quite a few questions about that lately. Oh, good. Um, okay. Uh, Synod said, uh, "Can I stop contact?" Currently have a court order in place. Yeah. Uh, Dad has contact every second weekend, but since police have been involved and Dad has been investigated for alleged abuse on the children. Can I have Dad? What was the question? Sorry, Captain. Can I have Dad investigated or arrested? No. Can I stop contact? Uh, can I stop? So they've got a con- they've got a child arrangements order. Yeah. Dad has contact every second weekend. Yeah. But Dad's currently being investigated by the police for alleged abuse on children. Oh, I see. Beg your pardon. I missed that first bit. Um, and can she stop contact? Well, I mean, it's difficult, isn't it? I, I don't really want to give a definitive yes, you can. And I'm sure people are shouting at the TikTok going, well, of course, if it's child abuse. But we've got to remember it's alleged at this stage. Um, if you think that the children are going to experience harm um, you know that kind of harm then obviously I would always err on the side of caution Um, but you know we've got to remember they are allegations and they might be for all we know spiteful allegations so just tread carefully tread carefully in allowing the children to go and tread carefully in making that decision to stop Um, generally if we don't have the evidence I'm saying to my clients go with your gut you know, do what your gut instinct tells you to do. Generally, it won't let you down. That's not the legal answer, yeah. by all means, but that's the best I can I can give with, with that limited information. All right. Thanks, Tracy. That's all for now. Thank you, Captain. Bye. And invite you up on the stage. There we go, Nuri. How can I help you? Hey, Hello. Um, I called in weeks ago and I asked you for some advice because my 12-year-old son that I share with my ex-husband yeah. um, has no... Well, there's an indirect court order where he only contacts him by email. Yeah. And he was sending him abuse by email and then telling him to meet up with his grandma in public, um, which is what well, he it wasn't agreed and so on and stuff like that. Um, but my my ex husband did turn up at my son's school last week um, at a parents' evening yeah. and just um, really embarrassed my son in front of his year eight um, group. Like in in the assembly hall, he just grabbed him in front of like the whole um, year group, the parents. Just was it was a really selfish thing he did, and then in the middle of it, he blurted out that he's he's now got a new child with his new wife, um, and the head teacher had to intervene and physically take my son out the room. It was just really embarrassing for my son. I called the police, um, and I'm going to get an molestation order out now. Um, like Tracy, my main question for calling you is I'm really at the end of my tether now dealing with him and I'm at the point where I want his PR removed. Um, do you think I meet the threshold to apply? Because there has been so much DV between me and Dad. Um, that was the main reason why he doesn't have any direct contact with my son. And every time he writes to him, it's always abuse. It's always... What can I get you for your birthday? Actually, you don't deserve it, so I won't give it to you. Uh, well, your mum did this, so why should I? It's always, he somehow circles it always back. It's never about child. And I'm so fed up. It's been such a long 12 years. Yeah, no, I I, I hear you. And it's but aged to what... me, and it's aged to me, and it's, I, st- I still feel like I'm married to this abusive man. So what I would say... non-stop. What, what I would say is that removing his PR isn't going to stop any of that. 
okay? There are better remedies that you need to be chasing. So your non-molestation is the one because if you have a non-molestation, that's going to prevent him from contacting you or the child both directly and indirectly and he breaches that, then obviously there are consequences for the breach. Something else you might want to consider is a prohibited steps order. Okay, that, that he's prohibited from removing the child from you or yeah. attending the child's school, for example, because if he breaches that, then there will be consequences. By removing his parental responsibility, he's still the biological father. That's not going to, there'll be no consequences for, you know, contacting you directly because he hasn't breached anything. So, but I, I see where you're going with it, but I think there's better remedies than, than applying for removing PR. And in any event, I don't think that that would happen. Um, I think yeah. that the court would be looking to do non-moles, PSOs, those sorts of remedies. I already have a PSO from when my son was like eight months old. Okay. And I feel like I've just exhausted the family courts now. I find it so embarrassing going back because it's just, it makes me look like such a fool because I allow my son, you know, to have, to receive these emails and they're horrible. The things he writes, them, it takes me two days to process it myself before I allow my son to read them. So block him. It's... It's horrible. Um, no, so now I have stopped it completely, but he somehow finds a way to keep his foot in the door, be it by the school or the doctors, getting um, information from him. And I'm at the point now where I'm so fed up that I really consider leaving the UK because I think maybe that will be my, my saving grace, like that will be my escape route out of this because it's just relentless. It's like he's punished me so hard for having a child with him that I don't think, um, I don't see a, a, a way out apart from cutting him out completely. I, I don't know, am I making any sense? It's. You, so you, I think you, you are making sense. I think the frustration is probably clouding your judgment slightly. And I totally get that. You know, that that's with most clients who, who have got family law problems. The frustration, just the sheer, you know, um, exhaustion of it all um, it, it sometimes leaves people unable to see the clarity of what it is that they need to do um, but what I would say is you just have to I mean it's up to you whether or not you, you wish to leave the UK I mean you'll still have to go to family court for that because I dare say he's going to try and stop you from doing that but just know that you can block and block and block so we can get our PSO we can get our non-mile there are consequences for that and yeah I mean look if he's going to be a pain that is going to be stressful for you but there are remedies out there is what I would say all right and one one more question like because of the breakdown in the relationship with my son and his dad he's now at the point where he doesn't want to keep his dad's last name and what are the chances of me putting an application in uh, and the courts accepting um, that change in his surname to mine I mean I would say put the application in I wouldn't be able to advise on your prospects of success without knowing more about your case but okay. certainly okay. from certainly from what you've said, when you're making an application, I would put it in anyway. You've got nothing to lose and at least have the court consider everything all at the same time. Okay, all okay, right. Thank you so much. Pleasure. Okay, you. bye. Thank you. Uh, Marianne, you are next up. What's your question? I have, a, Hello. I have a few questions, but I think some of them are related to what you've said earlier. So basically, I'm at the start of um, a breakdown of a relationship. This man has... Um, raped my sister who was visiting us in our home and he has um tried to rape me as well so now i don't i'm i'm living with my son away from where we used to live it's literally just a few weeks that it's happened but um what would you recommend i do should i do like a non-molestation and um you were talking about prevented steps but the police investigators were talking about like um a court order because I'm scared that once I put my son in a nursery and if he finds out where my son goes he might try and um, pick him up and apparently because he's got um, parental responsibility because he's on the birth certificate even if we're not married if he takes my son away from me I couldn't take him back unless I go to court so what would you recommend like um, I know I was told like a non-molestation order could be could be done and it could be applicable to both me and my son and um another one is that if in case um because that doesn't stop them from trying to take my son I, I don't know so they said a court order would state that my son um lives with me most of the time so if he did 
take him from nursery, I could um, call the police and take him back. But if I don't have anything, apparently, I couldn't have my son back unless the court says that he has to give my son back to me. But um, I'm not sure because um, I don't have a lot of budget. So I know the non-molestation, they did say I could um, have a solicitor, but I just pay like a certain amount. But if I was to fill out the C-100 form, which it, it would give me a court order, would I need a solicitor for that? And how many like um, court I don't know, trials? Um, okay. When okay. it comes to, to rape, obviously that's crime and not family law. So clearly yeah. you, there's going to be police involved there. Um, that yeah, there is already. Great. Um, now, you, you may need um, to see if you qualify for legal aid. So that's the next step mm -hmm. that you need to do. Mm -hmm. um, have you done yeah. that already with regards to family family law? Yeah, they're yeah. trying. Um, okay. Well, the legal aid that they're trying to... All right. Um, as long as you've tried, that's okay. For, yeah, you, for the non-molestation yeah, you order, yeah, you so it's not for family court, I think. Okay, so, so a non-mol is family. So I just wanted to check okay. with you that you had made the inquiries about legal aid and you have, so that's great. Um, yeah. So if you yeah. get legal aid, and for those of you that don't know what legal aid is, it's where you qualify for free legal help, okay? So, and generally where there has been... Um, domestic violence, domestic abuse, things like that, then you're qualified as long as you don't have too much money in the bank, for example. Um, so they mm. will then help you, Marianne, get your non-molestation order. Now, the non-molestation mm. order will stop him from having direct contact with you or indirect contact mm -hmm. with you, coming near your home, your place of work, etc., or even instructing a third party to do that. However, it won't stop him removing the child from the nursery, for example. So in addition to mm -hmm. the non-mol, I would be suggesting that you get a child arrangements order, which is your C-100 mm -hmm. form, and you're going to mm -hmm. tick that you want a CAO, child arrangements order, that the child lives with you. So we're very clear who the child lives with. In addition to mm -hmm. that, you want a prohibited steps order. And that prohibits him from removing the child from you or from nursery slash school or anywhere else the child might be without your agreement, permission, consent, or without further order of the court. So three things, your okay. non-molestation order, mm -hmm which which is will yes. come under the family law act so it's all family law yeah. your um okay. child arrangements order which is the children's act and then your um prohibited steps order which is also the children's act and the child arrangements and the pso can be done on the same form the c100 form okay okay so do i just um because i know it's like 262252 is it just one payment as well even if i do two or is it separate payment? No, one, one payment. So when you submit your C100, it will be one payment of £232. And then do I, 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 it did say that I don't need a solicitor for it, but do I need to face the other person? Will he be around during the court? Yes, he will, because oh. when you submit your application form, you then have to mm -hmm. um, serve him with the papers. So he will be in attendance at the first hearing. However, when you're filling out your C100, it will ask you if you need special provision. For example, a separate entrance door, a separate waiting mm. room, or perhaps screens when you're in the court. So if you feel that yeah. they would assist you, tick all of that on your C100 form. That's more towards the okay. back of the form, okay? So when you say I need to serve him, do I need to have a solicitor for that then? No, I, I mean, typically, um, I, I, I phrased that wrong. So typically the court will email him with, with the application form and that's him served. So if somebody receives court papers, they've been served. That That's all that means. Okay. All right. Okay. Thank you so much. Pleasure. Bye. Uh, Captain, you are next on... Oh, I thought I'd put you on mute. Um, how can I help? Um, hello, Tracy. Hello. I've got um, three questions here for you, and all these people are in the audience. Oh, okay. Um, Thank you. Lounge. Right. Um, so first one is for Leah. My husband and I separated, and he moved out nearly two years ago. They were married 11 years when he moved out. Yeah. Divorce not started yet. I pay the mortgage solely. I'm aware he cannot force me to sell until my youngest child leaves full-time education, and that's another 12 years. When the property is sold, would the equity be divided 50-50, or would he only be entitled to a percentage for the amount of years he contributed? And would a, she put, would a measure, I'm sure, or a Martin order 
would be needed. I don't think she means Martin Order, and I don't know what she means. Okay, so I, I would just back that one up um, a little bit. A mesher order, and I'll explain for everyone else that's that's listening, um, is where the person who has the um, looking after the children stays in the family home until the youngest is eighteen, and at that point the house is sold and the net proceeds of sale or the net equity um, is divided equally between the parties. However, whilst that is a measure order, it's not a given. So the way that she's worded that question, um, it would appear that she thinks it's a, it's just a foregone conclusion, and that's not always the case. You know, remember what I always say about family cases, they do turn on a case by case basis. So, you know, that's the measure order. Does it apply to that that person's case? I think you said Leah. Maybe it does, Leah, maybe it doesn't. And then I think to answer the second part of the question, it's generally fifty fifty. Um, at the time of the sale so you know and the person who lives in the property is generally the person who has to pay the mortgage because you do have exclusive use of that property what you're getting from the other side is their name their name stays on the mortgage to enable you to keep living there and of course the downside to that is that the other person potentially can't get another mortgage because they're tied into that mortgage where they don't live anymore so I hope that that's, um, that's cleared that up. Okay, thank you. Um, this one's for Doodle. Yep. What should I expect at a child review hearing? Contact was every weekend, one day with non-resident parent. We have managed to talk because we had to. I know they want every other weekend, just one day. During the past two months of contact, they have tried to get our child into a car and my child has told me she went in the car across the country this wasn't in the agreement and it was supposed to be community contact. What is the definition of community contact? Well, commun- and again, it's difficult to answer without reading the order as a whole to get some contact context, but I would have assumed that community contact will be in the community of where the handover takes place. So, you know, if you're handing over in, in Bristol, for example, then Bristol will be the community um, as opposed to going cross-country. What we've now got to think about, and obviously that needs to be um, brought up at the review doodle, but what we've now got to think about is, has there been a breach? That's question number one. And if there has been a breach, has it had a detrimental impact upon the child? You know, is there a reason why, obviously there is, a reason why it's um, been ordered that it takes place in the community? So I think clarity there, because if we have a parent that's very disregarding of court orders, that makes me nervous. If we can go cross country, we might be we might be thinking about getting on a, on a boat or a plane. So by all means, bring it up at the review hearing and let's let's tighten up the order is what I would be suggesting. Okay, thanks, Tracy. And then the final one for now is for, for Cookie. Uh, yeah. My son, who is turning 13 in a few weeks, wants to come live with me. There's an arrangement order from the family court in place where it states he lives with his mum. He's currently on a trial basis. Is, sorry, he's currently with me on a trial basis, but we are sure mum will demand he returns there once the two weeks trial is up. What happens if he refuses? We can't communicate as she has a non-mole against me. We have a third-party contact, but it's harsh to deal with this via them. How old is the child, did they say? 13 in a few weeks. Okay, so the matter, I would suspect, will go back to court. At that age, the voice of the child will definitely be listened to. And if, if the child simply doesn't want to go back then it would go to court and CAFCAS would most likely intervene here. Now remember that children's orders don't um, tend to apply once the child reaches 16 and that's not that far away really. We've got maybe two, three years maximum depending on when the child turns 14. Um, So court would be the short answer to that. Yeah. And if and if the child was if the thirteen year old just doesn't want to go back to his mum, I, yeah. I assume because that's what thirteen year olds do they just yeah with their feet don't they? Absolutely, yeah. So then it would be mum to make a court application. Of course, by doing so, um, the child will then be um, 
chances are will be spoken to by CAFCAS to get their view as to why they don't want to go. I mean, in that instance, what the court's always going to hope for is that the child will have some relationship with mum and some relationship with the other parent. But uh, again, at that age, it's most likely going to be on the child's terms. You know, at 13, they've got a lot going on in their own life you know, with peer pressure and hormones and big school, you know, senior school and everything. So there's a lot going on in their world already. Um, so the court take all of that into account um, and that, you know, there'll be, there won't be as much pressure, say, as there would be maybe on, a, on an eight-year-old because obviously they're a lot younger. Yeah. All right. Okay. Fab. Thank you, Captain. See you Thursday. Bye. Um, Just for those of you um, that might not be aware, Captain and Mart will ask questions for other people. Hence, when I see them with their hands up, I'll always bump them to the top of the queue because they they do come on and they're asked two, three, sometimes four questions on behalf of others. Um, So just to let you guys know if you're shy or maybe you don't want your voice to be recognised, that's um, something that you might want to think about as well. Um, Laika, you are next up. How can I help? Thank you. Hello. Um, I'm I'm in the first stages of a C100 application yeah. uh, for child arrangements order. Yeah. Uh, quick context: we've had an informal 50/50 arrangement for about about eight years now. Um, the child is now 11, starting secondary school, but for some time his mother hasn't been engaged in the core parts of his life: education, health, extracurricular activities. Um, and I think it's the tension has been around those things for quite some time. I've tried mediation four times in about three years, as recent as this year, which is why now we've gone through the courts. We've just found out that it's probably about five month wait until it's in London until the first hearing. Yeah. The CAFCAS report. There's nothing con- like um, yeah, there's no conscientious in there. You know, um, they're recommending that. It's child-led mediation, which I'm a bit sceptical about because I've tried mediation four, four times. Um, can I change the arrangement myself informally? At the moment, it's done through Google Doc, which I practically manage, planning yeah. the weeks ahead, four weeks in advance. Yeah. Or would that kind of go against my position when it does come to court? Obviously, if I can do it without causing distress to my son, of course. Absolutely. So anything that you and the other parent can agree is fine with the court, you know, so long as the, the, the welfare of the child isn't compromised. So yes is the answer to your first question. Can you go ahead and change things unilaterally with the other parent? Absolutely, yes, you can. Obviously, whatever those changes are will become the new status quo. So, you know, only you will then be able to determine if that's going to impact what your um, the final order that you're hoping to get that you're asking the court for. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, court never wants to get involved with parents. You know, we have what's mm-hmm. called the no mm-hmm. order principle. So if parents can agree, great, the court would rather not have an order in place. Um, if mm-hmm. obviously the other side don't agree, then you are at the mercy of the court because it, it, it won't be an agreement between you both, you know? Yeah, and that's the thing. Because um, if I do do this, I think there'll be definitely hostility. Yeah. Because <laughs> there's an agreement, yeah. which I was trying to avoid for all these years. You yeah. Know? But then he's already missing out for the first two weeks. He's missed out on clubs already um, and school payments for lunch and things like that. So that's why yeah. I kind of want to act quickly and get yeah. him settled into his, his new chapter. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it won't be an agreement as such. I just, I think have to force it through and fight it a little bit till we go to court yeah yeah it's that tone does that tone go against me i guess um i think if you can persuade the court that the reason that you made that decision and you took the upper hand if you like is because a the child Mm -hmm. lives with you and therefore you're more aware of the routine and what's in the child's best interests Mm -hmm. and the decisions that you made assisted in those interests you know what I mean I think therein lies the key doesn't it because as long as you aren't portrayed as being spiteful malicious you know causing Mm -hmm. some sort of parental alienation that these decisions were logical common sense prevailed etc it's just unfortunate that you couldn't get agreement from the other side you should be fine it's so difficult okay, to answer great. because obviously I don't know the context and I don't know how you're trying to change it. And I don't, you know, I'm not asking you to share that with us, but um, hopefully that that helps. Yeah, really helpful. Yeah, thank you, thank you very much. Pleasure. All right, thank you, Laika. Bye bye. There we Bye-bye. go. A B Z, you're up first. How can I help? Hi, uh, Hello. Um, so I have a. Well, this has only started today, but um, my ex. Uh, well, so we're in court. We're going into our final hearing in December. Yeah. 
um, and we've been having um, video calls previously. Um, it hasn't happened for a week now because my daughter's just settling into school and is not in routine, according to her. Um, so we've been um, having video calls regularly uh, previous to that, but it's all just stopped now. Um, yesterday, I received a message uh, from hers asking her if I could financially provide further um, in terms of her education, her books, and obviously, well, and her Islamic studies, etc. as well. Now, I'm paying roughly about £350 uh, a month in, ter- in child maintenance, and I do travel from Northern Ireland to England to go and see my daughter in a contact centre, which I pay for as well. So right now, in this situation I can't financially afford to pay more. Now what she's asked for, uh, we use Telegram to um, communicate at the moment, but what she's asked for is more money or contact stops because I can't care for, well in her words, I can't care for my daughter properly. Um, So either provide for my daughter further or go away. Is that something that is classified as parental alienation or can be classified as that? Not really, no. Um, It's totally inappropriate, um, is what it is, and obviously they run separately. You know, any kind of maintenance is not conditional upon whether you do or don't see your daughter. You know, many parents pay maintenance and don't don't have contact, and many parents have contact and don't pay maintenance. So one isn't Mm -hmm. conditional on the other. Parental alienation is a bit of a step, I would suggest, Um, It's in the contact centre at the moment, um, I heard you say. So actually, I I would be potentially going back to the court if there's a breach, because if there isn't a breach at the moment, i.e. she hasn't stopped the contact, then there isn't isn't anything that the court can help you with. Um, Now, when you go back to court, I'm sure that you'll be given an opportunity to make a statement at some point, and I would be attaching those messages as exhibits to your statement. Um, in the future because it goes a long way to suggest that mum isn't necessarily thinking about what's in the best interest of the child you know what I mean give me more money or you don't see her that's not thinking about your daughter because ideally your daughter just wants to spend time with you so a couple of things to note there is it parental alienation no I wouldn't I wouldn't go that far when a breach is committed, i.e. if she stops you from having contact at the contact centre, you need to return it. If there's no breach committed, I would still be attaching those telegram messages as exhibits to a statement because um, it, it, it puts the court, well, it alerts the court to what we're dealing with on the other side. See, I, I would be afraid of my daughter because she is four and she does sort of understand and she gets really excited when we do video call or when we yeah. do video call. Yeah. Um, but it, it, I'd be afraid of my daughter saying, I want to speak to daddy and then her not allowing my daughter to speak yeah. to me. That would be, or saying things like, oh, your daddy doesn't want to provide for you or this or that because I've received those messages. Yeah. And, and is that in the order? Do, uh, have you got that ordered FaceTime calls, Zoom calls? No, it's, it's okay. not in the order because it started. Um, so the judge or uh, asked us to use a, a parenting app, but she yes. wasn't uh, able to uh, pay for her side. So she suggested Telegram, which I just went ahead with. Um, so it's not officially in the order, got but you. we did make the judge aware that video calls were happening. Yeah, I've got you. Okay. Um, I mean, the first thing I would say there is get it in the order when you return, because if she stops the video calls, there is no breach. And typically there is absolutely nothing you can do about it, you know, which is quite heartbreaking, really. Um, but yeah, there wouldn't be anything so you could a, do. There's, there's nearly three months until our final order in, in court. And again, me seeing my daughter once a month, obviously, because of the distance is, is more heartbreaking because... I can see her as regularly as I should. Yeah, or and, as I can. And and I'd love to be able to say to you that you know if she stops the video calls, make a C two application. But chances are you're not going to mm-hmm. get in any sooner than three months. It's it's heartbreaking at the moment. I've got so many cases where I just can't get before the judge, um, and you know I've got moms and dads saying to me, but that means I have to wait for three months to see my child and I'm having to deliver the bad news that actually, yeah, that, that I can't do anything about it. it. It's just so hard at the minute. It really is. Um, but, you know, don't don't be beholden to any kind of blackmail, you know what I mean? Because that's essentially what, what that is. That's emotional blackmail. 
would, would you have any sort of insight as to what what the judge might think of that or how they might react because obviously well I, I had a non-mall against me and I basically had every allegation under the sun against yeah. me yeah. Um, and that, that's basically what we're going into the final hearing for because yeah. Cass Cass won't let any of that go even though my ex doesn't well she previously said she didn't want to pursue any of the uh, allegations because they all came back as no further action in terms of the criminal court and she doesn't want to go through any of that anymore and now this has all come up and I'm sort of thinking you know what whenever it comes to the final order or the final hearing she's going to try and flip it again just to try and prolong the whole process and that's why I think that you you really do need to attach those messages as exhibits to a statement because you know uh, uh, the the judges won't take kindly to that that isn't as I said earlier that just isn't thinking in the best interest of the child and it's highly inappropriate to say to a parent you pay more money or you don't get to see the child it's just it's just inappropriate on on every level so you know that the court will take a view on that um, absolutely especially if you ask the court to take a view on that and bear that in mind when making a final order and the judge will do that absolutely a good judge will okay all right Perfect. thanks thanks very much you're welcome bye um tori you are next up whenever you're ready ask me your question hello hello um, i'm actually asking on behalf of my friend basically okay. um she has a seven-year-old daughter with yeah. her ex-partner yeah um, her ex-partner has a had any contact with the daughter for three years now he basically just disappeared she wants to take her daughter on holiday in the summer holidays for next year but she wants to go for 28 days um does she have to make any application or obtain his permission to take her on holiday sorry sorry did you say that there is a court order in place at the moment no, there is no, a okay. order in place. Okay. She just wanted to know whether she has to apply right. to get his permission to take her abroad. Yeah, so, so she would then, especially for that length of time. The reason I asked is, if we already have a child arrangements order in place, and that child arrangement said that the child lived with your friend, because we have the order in place, your friend would be allowed to take the child out of the country for up to four weeks without dad's permission. But because we don't have the order, she would need to go and get the order. Well, she'll need to get the order okay. if dad says no or if dad's going to object. Um, if dad, you know, if dad's in agreement, then clearly she doesn't need the order. Um, but yes, without an order, if she feels dad's going to object, she's going to have to make the application. Okay, brilliant. Thank you. Pleasure. Thanks, Tori. Bye. Uh, Captain, you're busy bee this yeah. evening. Who are you helping now? Oh, lots of different people. <laughs> um, one is, uh, um, so this lady, Kate, she's got a first financial FDR on Thursday. Yeah. And she wants to know what she can expect from that, please. Okay. So in finances, we have three hearings. Um, the court can only make an order of its own motion at the third one. So the first and second are an opportunity for the parties to agree a financial settlement. The first hearing, if there is no agreement reached between the parties, will be what's called a directions hearing. So um, people tend to view it as the judge will give homework. So the judge will say, are you in agreement? No, we're not. Why aren't you in agreement? Well, because we can't decide on, you know, the value of the property, the home. We don't know. Um, actually, they haven't answered my questions that I put to them for the for me. So there'll be directions given. By this date, you'll do this. And by this date, you'll do that. And then it will be listed for the second hearing. So not too much happens at the first appointment, if I'm being completely honest with you, unless the parties can agree and then the court will make that order. This next one is for lost in the process. Yeah. I, I, love, I like that name. I'm and sorry. Me. I don't know why I said that out loud. It's inappropriate, but I do like that. It's nice. Um, I'd like to ask Legal Queen about transferring my parental responsibility, yep. which is currently 60% under a child arrangements order, to my mother stroke and others in my will, as opposed to the children's father, who doesn't take good care of them very well. Um, I am totally confused because we mentioned a child arrangements order and a will. I've never seen a child arrangements order that awards 60% of parental responsibility. It's not a tangible thing. So you either have PR or you don't have PR. Maybe you have 60% of the care of that child over a given period of time. So I'm a little bit confused by the question, but if I just sort of answer what I think the question is, can I give my PR away, which I think is what, what you opened that up with, Captain, I'm not sure. The answer to that would be About trans transferring it. Yeah. yeah. 
So a set... transferring it, I think, in her will. So I think. Oh. My understanding is, if she was to die. Yes. Can her can her PR be transferred to her mum? No. So. Rather than the child's father. Yes. No. Um, if if she were to die, then the children would uh, social services would be looking for the the next person with PR. So what you can do is a couple of things you can do. You can appoint a legal guardian in your will. That's not cast iron, and the other parent with PR can challenge that. Or you can attempt to get a third person PR. So in this case, the maternal grandmother um, prior to you passing. Um, and that would be something you take advice on because more than two people can have PR. You know, we can have four people with PR, five people with PR. Um, so that would be the cast iron way so that somebody else has PR um, or alternatively, you would be um, appointing a guardian in your will. But that can be contested. Lovely. Thanks, Tracy. Right. Thanks, Pleasure. Captain. Tomorrow. Okay, bye. bye. Amy, you are next up. Let me just take you off mute. How is it I can help? Hello, Hello, Amy. How can I help? Uh, yeah, um, so I just want to say first thing, like, thank you. I've been a watcher for a while, um, and I didn't honestly think I'd be needing your advice, but I'm very, very grateful. Oh, um, pleasure. So I got served with um, a public law outlaw, uh, public law outline um, letter by my local authority regarding my three children. Yeah. Um, basically just a quick little thing um, I had like a mental breakdown a few years ago um, and I'm raising three children by myself um, two have got special needs and um, obviously something was going to give so the house, like the home conditions went like really bad and I've been working really, really hard to like get them up to scratch like back to how they, they need to be um, so I'm just wondering if I can get like a brief like description of what like a PLO is like what, like, what does it entail so I know it's the step before family court um, yeah. I don't really know too much about it so think of it as as a bit like um, uh, how can I put it so um, almost sort of like an investigation into whether or not that they're, they're actually going to take the matter any further and, and make applications to the court so they are going to we had a caller um, earlier on that was a bit similar to yourself Amy but they are going to be setting a standard having boxes for you to tick getting you to jump through some hoops and you just make sure that you do absolutely everything in your power whether you agree with it or not my advice is always when people are are involved in with social services you just need to get social services supporting you because if they make the application to the family court the judges and the court system are going to be listening to social services because social services are seen as an impartial advocate for the children okay so whatever it is they're asking you to do and there'll be hopefully there'll be lots of backwards and forwards and lots of meetings and conferences and lots of detailed plans about how they think you can improve your current situation do all of that do all of that would be my advice. That okay, no worries. Thank you, Tracy. Pleasure, pleasure, Amy. Come back and let us know how you got on. Will do. Definitely. All right. Thank you. Pleasure. Bye bye now. Uh, Fuller Mom, you are up next. How can I help? Hello, Tracy. Hello. Uh, my question is about a financial order. So we got to the point uh, where we're preparing for the financial dispute resolution. Yes. And we have to do a, a joint um, house valuation. Yes. And um, uh, we have to have a report um, about our borrowing capacity. Yeah. Uh, the my husband's solicitor is writing the letters of instructions and is saying basically that uh, the financial advisor should take into consideration the net income we declared in the for me yeah but since then since january 2023 my husband got a new job and he's earning significantly more and i had to reduce my hour because of that to part-time yeah so i'm earning significantly less can i say no i don't want a report based on that i only want a report based on the current income absolutely absolutely so you're going to be looking to have that joint letter of instruction amended and what I would be suggesting is that both of you attach to that joint letter of instruction your last three pay slips. 
and you she is compromising on that she says she will attach the last three payslips okay but basically now she's saying she wants two reports one based on the last year's income and one based on the last three payslips and i don't see the point of having last year's income where it's not accurate anymore unless her instructions are that her client's income that he you know his current income is a temporary position and it may go back no, down not. again okay it's well a, it's a full-time position and yeah. she's basically the, the income was very similar so she's trying to say that we we earn in the same kind of money which is not true anymore okay i mean i uh, yeah you you just you're only interested in the mortgage affordability based on current incomes is what i would say to that um so by all means she's not giving up we're going back and forth back and forth and she well, refuses to do it maybe maybe pick your battles then if she's going to concede and have the the valuation or the report done that you want allow her to have hers What's the worst well, case? What do I say to the judge? What will the judge take into consideration the last three months? He will look at the other report. I think the court will, will go um, with common sense approach. So if you say that your report is based on the current income of both parties and therefore that is a true representation of the party's borrowing capacity for the purposes of mortgage, chances are the court's going to go with that as opposed to the income that's on a form e that may be 12 to 18 months old by the time you get to court and both parties income has changed since then that's how i would pitch it and one more question in regards to the valuation of the house she sent a letter to me where she estimated the cost of this service to be 175 pounds and today we got the response from the company she chose to do the valuation and it's 600 pounds okay it's quite a discrepancy so can i not agree to it i need to to give her a response you well if you can't afford it then you can't agree to it so that's what you'd be going back with and and you we need to find um somebody else that can value for a lot cheaper than that Unless her client's okay, willing to pay. No, I, I can't afford it. It's way too much money. Yeah. And she's basically accusing me of delaying the, the process. But yeah. she's giving me like different figures than what what is actually offered to us. So yeah. I'm allowed to say no? Yes, you are. Absolutely. And Will we be in a position if if I decline to get to the date of the FDR and not be ready with this document? What would the judge say? Well, the judge won't say anything. You just won't have a valuation of a property. So it, it, you'll need to get that before a final order can be made. But the judge won't, oh. won't make a comment on that. It so need... will just be adjourned the meeting? The... Depend, it depends. Okay. It will only adjourn if we're not ready to proceed. I don't know if by not having a valuation it's going to scupper the whole thing. I don't know. Without, I don't know anything about your case. So that would depend, really, on whether an adjournment would proceed. But I would suggest that you just say to her, look, I can't afford the 600 If your client's willing to pay, fine. If not, we're going to have to find somewhere cheaper or somebody cheaper and let's get a wriggle on because the FDR's around the corner. All right. Thank you very much, Tracy. Pleasure. Bye. Hey, Captain. Um, so I've got a curious question for you. Oh, bless her. I couldn't um, hear her. Yeah, she said my phone doesn't seem to want to work for some reason. Oh. Um, I have a little girl and she's two in December. I've been to court with her dad. He got given visitation in a contact centre advised from Tapcast. He did two sessions, then gave my, at the time, one-year-old a Kinder Egg with a toy inside and my little girl put this in her mouth. Luckily, my mum was there at the time, along with the supervisor, and obviously pointed this out to him. He refused to carry on contact at that centre and hasn't seen her since May. He said he'd apply to the court. How long, roughly, should it take for me to receive court papers, etc.? And what will the court say to this behaviour? He stopped contact, not me. Um, I've refused to change the supervisor. There wasn't any issues with that supervisor. It was just the fact that he made a mistake and gave my daughter something she could choke on. Yeah. Um, so to answer the first question, generally you'll get notified within a week or two um, that the papers have been issued and a date will be given for a hearing. That hearing, however, may be as far as three to four months away. But you should hear within weeks as to the date and that you've, um, you, you know, the other side have made the application. Um, I would be asking the court to recommend that dad attend a parenting course. 
Um, they're really popular. Most child arrangement applications will involve a parenting course of some description um, because that that's just, you know, it, it can be dangerous for the child, obviously, and perhaps dad is unaware of that. So a parenting course. Will the court use that as a way to stop contact? I know this wasn't the question that was asked, Judy, but I'm just sort of going one step further. Possibly not, um, but supervised contact will chances are will continue until dad has finished that parenting course okay um she said i she's asked for a, a parenting course and apparently he's done one. Oh blimey um well that's a bit of a it's worry it's not his first that's it's not his first daughter and he's abandoned the first, it's not his first child and he's abandoned his first child okay apparently. that that is a bit of a worry then if he's already um done a parenting course I would, I don't know if CAFCAS has been involved, perhaps they have, Judy, if, if you've already done parenting courses. I think that contact would have to remain supervised um, until maybe a further assessment could be done. I'd be very wary if, if you know, there's no common sense here um, to, to be allowing any sort of unsupervised contact until until further assessment and I'd be I'd be reaching out to CAFCAS to assist with a further assessment because if a parenting course already been done I'm not sure where we can go from there if I'm perfectly honest that's all the info I've got Tracy Brilliant. Brilliant. thank you Captain you've done loads tonight I really appreciate that as I'm sure everyone else does I know I'm, I'm going to go lie down here. <laughs> <laughs> thanks Captain will do alright bye, bye. Um, guys, I'm going to leave it there because I'm absolutely starving. Um, I've been working now. This is I'm going into my 14th hour, so I do need a break and I've got to have, go and have something to eat. But thank you, as ever, guys, for joining me on the um, Discord. Really appreciate it. Um, honestly, you guys that take the time to join on the Discord and ask the questions, you have no idea how many people you are helping. Um, I get flooded with emails after Discord session from people that say thank you, thank you, thank you. Not just to me. Um, this isn't just um, uh, the fact that I answer questions. It's a about everybody um, that jumps in and helps. So thank you. Um, I'm back again tomorrow, 6pm uh, till 7 again. Um, and that will be me then until the 10th of October. I'm taking a couple of weeks off because I'm going on holiday. Um, so I will see you back. So apologies, Sarah and AW. I know you've still got your hand up there, um, but I will be back tomorrow at six o'clock. If you can join me, I'll make sure that I jump you two to the front of the queue. Until tomorrow, guys, take care um, and look forward to speaking to you then. Bye-bye.